hey, I'm just kind of a, a hobby. You know, skiing is just a hobby to really getting into it. Well, long story short, I was there at 9-11. Um, you know, I had a bird's eye view, you know, driving into New York. Um, you know, traffic stopped. You know, we all got out of our car. We didn't know what was happening. And I saw the second plane hit from I-95, where you could just look straight into New York City. And right then and there, uh, I was like, what are you doing? You just missed that by eight hours because you were supposed to be in the World Trade Center. I'm Telly Mike, and you are listening to the Avalanche Hour podcast. You are tuned in to another episode of the Avalanche Hour podcast your source for great conversations within the snow and avalanche community. I'm your host, Brooke Shiny Edwards. The Avalanche Hour podcast is proudly presented by Visson Avalanche Control, safety through innovation. With additional sustaining support from Gordini, we keep you outside longer. The goal of this podcast is to create a stronger community through the sharing of stories, knowledge, and news amongst people with a curious fascination of avalanches. Well, before highlighting today's interviewee, I have to slip in a friendly brag on the originator of the show, Caleb Merrill. At this fall's ISSW, Caleb was granted the Sue Ferguson Award, which recognizes individuals for their contribution in media communications about snow and avalanche sciences to the public and the American avalanche community. I'm so proud of Caleb and what he's done with the Avalanche Hour podcast, and completely honored that I still get the opportunity this season to guest host some shows. Which brings me to today. Our spotlight today shines on Scarpa and Vole athlete, affectionately known as Telly Mike. Telly Mike finds gratitude and restitution in guiding and showing anyone how to access the beauty of the mountain in a way that is safe, connected, empowering, and accessible, regardless of ability levels. His ultimate motivation is to amplify all voices in the backcountry ski community, regardless of an individual's labels or demographics. And due to his African and Native American heritage, Telly Mike has meticulously curated many mountain experiences for BIPOC communities in an effort to bring about sustained physical and mental well-being and inner peace while overcoming generational fears of open spaces. Not only does Mike lead his own company, Telly Mike Adventures, and pursue ski goals for himself, but he gives back to the community by organizing and leading backcountry adventures for the National Brotherhood of Skiers. In this conversation, we will explore the world through Telly Mike's adventures and learn perhaps how to engage as better allies for our BIPOC brothers and sisters. And now a word from the sponsors of this episode. SafeBack is a new entrant to the snow safety space, focused on making products that can delay asphyxia during burial in an avalanche or tree well without requiring a mouthpiece. After six years of R&D in Norway, their air supply system, SBX, is on the market as part of two avalanche backpacks. I've been testing the DB vest for the last couple of weeks during forecasting and teaching avalanche courses on my snow machine, and I've been impressed by the product's simplicity as an addition to the rest of my kit. I'm especially impressed by how light the entire vest feels when I'm wearing it. SBX has been evaluated by third parties throughout SafeBacks development it was most recently the subject of an independent medical trial to explore just how well their system works, a study which is currently in the process of being published. If you want to dig a little deeper on SafeBack's tech and testing, you can go back and listen to my chat with William Sherman of SafeBack. It's episode 813. 
SafeBack has a pro form for anyone working in and around Avalanche Train. Apply today at safeback.no slash pro dash program or find the link on their Instagram page. Additional sustaining support for the remainder of Season 8 of the Avalanche Hour podcast is provided by Open Snow. We've all been there, scrolling through multiple clunky websites and apps full of ads to find all of the snow and weather forecast data to plan your next powder day or high alpine adventure. Well, it might finally be time to retire those other weather apps thanks to Open Snow, your one-stop shop for all of the essential weather tools. View 10-day snow forecasts for any location on Earth, read expert analysis from their team of local forecasters, track incoming storms with current and forecast radar, view snowfall and avalanche forecast maps, compare recent snow conditions at your favorite backcountry and ski resort locations, and much more. Visit opensnow.com to get started with a free trial and enter the discount code AVALANCHEPODCAST at checkout to receive 30% off your first year of Open Snow All Access. Here we go, dropping a knee with Telly Mike. Hey Mike, it's great to hear from you. Thanks for calling in to be um, a guest on the Avalanche Hour podcast. I really appreciate you doing so. Absolutely. Any excuse to chat with Shiny Brooke, uh, that's, that makes my day. So awesome. let's go. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, as we do, I always like to hear like um, a little bit about you. Can you, I know, of course, all, a lot about you, but I want you to tell the audience, what's your story? Where'd you grow up? So I grew up, um, you know, you know, I'm now in Colorado, but how did I get to the mountains of Colorado? Right. Uh, I started in Delaware, in the farmlands of of Delaware. Yes, there's there's farming there, and um, you know, I grew up as a you know baseball player, basketball player. Um, you know, I'm kind of that you know as we say, uh, cotton come to Harlem. So I kind of went from the farming community then. You know, went and you know lived in the cities. You know, uh, especially in New Jersey, Phoenix, Detroit. You know, now Denver. But really, where my heart is 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 the mountains. That's where I get my power source and my mental san- sanity. <laughs> awesome. So, I mean, quite a journey to come out of the cities and find yourself in Colorado. Is that um, is that where you first found skiing, or how did skiing find you? Yeah. So. You know what? I'll start this way. How did skiing find me? I, you know, I went to graduate school in Michigan at the University of Michigan. And oh, my gosh, it is so cold up there. And, and that's where I like learned to like hate winter. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, well, how do I make this experience better? So I, so I actually started to lean into it. But I, I moved from from, uh, you know, after Michigan, I went to the hottest place in the country. I moved to uh, Arizona. And, and actually, of all all places, that's you know I was still playing uh, some baseball, uh, some uh, kind of some semi pro uh, farm team baseball, but uh, you know as you get older, I couldn't really sustain you know playing that uh, baseball, and I was also still playing a lot of street basketball. I was like, man, I need another another sport, and that's when a friend of mine at that time said, hey, you you want to try skiing? And I said that quintessential thing. I was like. Well, black people don't ski, but, but, but I was like, let me, let me give this a try. Let me give this a, a try. Cause I always, when I was young, 
you know, my gateway into the world, you know, from, from the farming lands of Delaware was to watch like the wild, what is it? The wide world of sports. Uh-huh. And, I, and I, and I always enjoyed watching skiing, you know, and I remember my mom would always say, you're watching too much, too much of that TV. That's going to corrode your mind. Uh, well, it, it gave me a gateway, uh, you know, out of the farmland. So I was always like, I want to ski. So, so I did. So I went to Sunrise, uh, Arizona, that ski resort uh, there. I believe that's on a, I believe it's on a, uh, I know it's a Native American uh, uh, kind of land or reservation area there. So I went there and I, I only took one, one run. Uh, it only took my first run and I was hooked, you know, and that's, that's where, it all kind of started for me was was in Arizona. And then I was, yeah, I was doing, I was, you know, you get the bug and I was like, all right, but I still got to do this work thing, but how do I also ski as much as I can? So I was doing like everyone else. I had a pass, you know, one of those passes that you can go to, you know, all these resorts in the country. So I'd fly to all these places, um, you know, lived when I moved to New Jersey and was working, you know, the corporate life there. And really, how did I get from, hey, I'm just kind of a, a hobby, you know, skiing is just a hobby to really getting into it. Well, long story short, I was there at 9-11. Um, you know, I had a bird's eye view, you know, driving into New York, um, you know, traffic stop, you know, we all got out of our car, we didn't know what was happening. And I saw the second plane hit from I-95, where you could just look straight into New York City. And right then and there, uh, I was like, what are you doing? You just missed that by eight hours because you were supposed to be in the World Trade Center later that evening to meet a friend. So it was very audible, you know, like Field of Dreams, like, you know, if you build it, they will come. It was audible. Like if you go to Colorado, (laughs) you know, your life will change. Like you won't uh, uh, regret this. So four months later. I I moved to Colorado and and I've been here for 20 years, you know, getting after it, you know, through uh, you know, became a ski instructor for a while, then got into you know wanted to get into the backcountry, so went to ski mountaineering school, um, and it just kind of grew from there. So that's kind of my long-winded story. Yeah, how, you know, kind of got into this. That's pretty amazing. Um, and when I met you, um. I love it because I was up in Girdwood, Alyeska Resort, and uh, and yeah, we don't have too many people of color on our slopes. And all of a sudden, one weekend, um, all of a sudden, there was the slopes were filled with African Americans. I remember like skiing up to somebody and being like, "What's going on? What? Where did you all come from? Like, who are you?" And they were like, "We're the National Brotherhood of Skiers and the National Sisterhood of Skiers." And I was like, "Can you come more often? This is you've just made our town so fun." And I was working at the local heli company at the time, and you and three other um, gentlemen uh, came to check in to heli ski and I remember being like okay this is amazing because not only do we rarely see African-American skiers on our mountain but also on the heli and then you had you were on tellies and I was like all right who are you (laughs) how are we not friends how can we be friends right now um and that was my introduction to telly Mike and um and you and my introduction to the National Brotherhood of Skiers which I just thought was the coolest organization and you um You've been involved with them so much. So can you tell me, can you tell our audience what that organization is and what is your involvement with them? 
Yeah, the National Brotherhood of Skiers is it's really an aggregate of small black uh, ski clubs. So, um, so for example, here in Denver, Colorado, we have uh, BIPOC, uh, um, BIPOC Mountain Clubs. We have Ski Ambassadors, Slippers and Sliders, uh, Ski No R 5280, Vibe Tribe. So, but all over the country, there are all of these small uh, black ski clubs. Um, and, and what really they're trying to support, you know, gateways or, or pathways, that is, for getting into uh, the sport, you know, and act, and also trying to make it cheap. This is not a cheap sport, you know. Um, so, so the National Brotherhood of Skiers, you know, brings all of those clubs uh, together. So Ben Finley and Art Clay, uh, it's like uh, 50 years ago now, when they started bringing all these clubs together, they said, hey, let's do a, what's called a summit. And so each year, uh, the National Brotherhood of Skiers will pick a ski resort. Um, this year, it's Big Sky. Last year, it was Vail. And all of those ski uh, little clubs will come into that um, that summit or to that ski resort. And that's probably what you you know you experience. Like, what's what's going on? So yeah, it can depending on the year, it can get up to like four thousand people coming from the U.S., the U.K., the Caribbean. Um, uh, even have some people coming from South, from South America. Um, so yeah, that's that, you know, the, the organization and the, you know, what they're trying to do is they're trying to promote, uh, people of color, obviously getting into the sport and building pathways, but also build, trying to build future Olympians because there is a, a youth ski, you know, uh, program, uh, that they, that they have. My part of that is uh, I'm the National Brotherhood of Skiers uh, backcountry director. So I'm so when people were like, "Hey, I, I think I'd like to step outside the ropes," um, that's me providing education, you know, for people to uh, to do that. Um, so that's that's kind of what the National Brotherhood of Skiers are all about. Nice, and that is is that where you developed? You came to the idea to develop your own company, Telly Telly Mike Adventures. Your own guiding yeah. company, yeah, ex ex exactly. So I kind of have my own, which is Telly Mike Adventures, and then I have a partnership with a, a couple of uh, buddies, uh, buddies of mine, and that one is Elevate Backcountry, which is more of a snowmobile access for because a lot of people like. So I'm like, well, how do we get people into this? Well, uh, I, I look. I I'll say this because I am from the culture. I'll, I know my people. They're like, I am not. Let me say this. I'll say, hey, let's go skin, and they're like, I bought a lift ticket, not a hike ticket. ticket. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm like, all right, you're not gonna hike. I get it. You're not gonna skin, but I, but we have snowmobiles. Okay, I'll do that. So that's another way. Uh, through Elevate Backcountry that we get people out into the backcountry, and really, it's about progressing people through you know how do you get into uh you know the backcountry you know how do you buy the equipment and the equipment's expensive so trying to build pathways to get them reasonable you know equipment and then also the education so i'm pr providing people the you know that education hey we're going to go out we're going to we're going to go on a super low angle 20 degrees you know slope um, and my, uh, what my objective is to get, is to teach you this zone such that you can now come out here on your own. You're not in any avalanche conditions, but you know, you're on these gentle slopes and you know, that, that is, that is what I want to want to do for people because 
I would probably say it cost me probably a good, I don't know, six, $7,000 to get into backcountry skiing, all the education, all the equipment. So I'm trying to create that pathway that's affordable you know, for people, for the equipment and the education. Right. I also um, love, I think it's beautiful. You talk in your Scarpa athlete profile, you talk a little bit about how your personal mission statement is to work to heal some of that intergenerational trauma um, through making open spaces a place that aren't to be feared. So can you speak a little bit to that mission and what are some um, techniques you've made to make that like a more comfortable space for people? How have you made it more accessible? Yeah, absolutely. So historically speaking, you know, you know, when we talk about people of color being out in open spaces or being out in the woods, that that's not a, com- those are traditionally not comfortable spaces uh, to, to be in. So what I'm trying to to do is to bring people into those, into those spaces because I'm like, man, there's something you're you're missing. It's it's sort of like, you know, you 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 see people, you know, you want to go into a club or something, and you see people getting in and, and the side door. How are they getting in? And you know, they're getting the VIP treatment, um, or you're getting something on sale. So this is sort of like I think of it like that, like skiing and being in the outdoors is something that you know, I want to bring the people of color and say you're you're missing something here. There's free mental health actually actually out here so that's that's kind of you know my my mission with that to try to get people you know out into the out uh, into the backcountry out into the outdoors and by the way it doesn't have to be skiing we can go snowshoeing or just hiking but just getting people people out um off the couches and doing things that culturally traditionally may not be you know thought of as as safe and even like, didn't you add not just on, on your snowmobile access tours, didn't you add like a cool, like you have a cool, like side-by-side vehicle that's like warm and you play music. And yeah. I mean, I love that story when you told me that, like, can you describe, because to me, that is like part of making um, scary places, not scary is like adding in components that are familiar. Right. So what did you do? You took like the cold so, and you, you added heat, you took, you added music, you added like fun piece of that culture. Right. So can and, you describe that a little bit? Exactly. So, so you'll show up to the trailhead, you know, with, with us. And first of all, you, you, you're going to know where we are because we're black, you know, we're blaring music, you know, usually hip hop, R and B, something like that. So that, you know who we are and and where we are. Um, and, you know we you know you get there. Hey, we're going to give you the hot cup of you know cocoa, keep you warm. All right, let's let's uh, get you suited up. Let's talk about you know a little bit about uh, avalanche um, you know conditions for today. Let's get you beaconed up. Let's you know do all the training. Now let's jump into side by side and we're blaring you know whatever whatever music you want to listen to. You know, it's because music it, to our culture is is key. Now you're 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 you know in your side by side, and you're going you know uh, through the um, through the uptrack, <laughs> um, and you it's like you're you're in this panorama of amazing beauty. Um, not not a lot of people back there, and you have and you're warm, and you have a soundtrack to it. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, so then, of course, you know, you, you know, we'll get you to the top of the, you know, our first run, you know, we'll, you know, guide you, guide you down the side by side. We'll, of course, you know, go its, on its path, 
you meet you down at the at the bottom of the you know what you what you uh, skied or snowboard or telly um but yeah we just keep it try to keep it you know fun and and try to keep it you know within our culture especially with uh, you know with the music um you know and the language and things things like that so that's it, it's it's sort of like this you don't have to code switch you can be yourself you know if you're from the south you want to talk like you're from the south you're from chicago you want to talk like that you're from la whatever part be 100 percent or be 360 degrees of yourself you don't have to code switch because we're all from the uh the same culture that's so beautiful mike and i love how you're thinking not just about accessibility from the financial pathway of like, how do we get this access to more people? You're doing this kind of sprinkler approach of like looking at it in this multidimensional way of like, how do we make it physically more approachable? How do we make it emotionally, spiritually, financially more approachable? And so I love that you've, you've approached this from this variety um, standpoint and I think that another way that you do that and a way that I absolutely love about you is you do these vlogs, right? You create video content yourself. And, and in my mind, that's, that's serving this, like you didn't see anybody like yourself growing up. You said the, the typical thing of like, there's no black skiers. Why would I be a black skier? And that now you're, you're being that man, you're like putting your videos out there. Can you explain a little bit like your thought process behind your videos and some of your, um, your videos are so much fun. I love watching your videos. So we're going to yeah, link absolutely. to them in the show notes, just so everybody knows you can watch some of his videos, but awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, look, these videos started as, um, saying back to my family members, my parents, Hey, this is, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm on, you know, right now. But really what it turned into was, you know, what I, I want, uh, you know, people of color to, to see what we're doing out here to, to see that, you know, Hey, that we're in a safe space. So seeing, seeing is believing talking, talk is cheap, but let me show you, uh, that we're in these, in these spaces. And yeah, here's days where we're doing things that might be a little bit more extreme, but here's days that we're, we're just meadow skipping. And this is something that, you know, if you're, uh, intermediate you know skier and who could hike a mile come on let's 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 go out and do this so so yeah i'm trying to create that imagery and especially you know the project that we're working on now is uh as the national brotherhood of skiers backcountry director uh one of our capstones is big mountain skiing on all the continents and so we're uh, we just did uh, morocco um, and now we're in 2024, we're going to do New Zealand and then we're going to go to Antarctica in 2025. So we're working with sorcery cinema to actually put together a documentary. So I'm, you know, amplifying, you know, our, uh, kind of video visuals. And again, it's more about, Hey, you know what, it, it, maybe, maybe you don't want to ski. Maybe you don't want to do this, but you know what? as a person of color or a person maybe in who has challenging financial situation, um, or you're trying to find something new in life, this, this could, this is accessible. We're just trying to show you here's, here's what's accessible. Here's what's possible, but, but do you, whatever that is. That's beautiful. And since you mentioned Morocco, I know that you and I spoke, um, when you first got back from Morocco and it was a life-changing experience for you. Was that your first, it was your first trip to Africa? 
Yeah, that was that was definitely life uh, life changing when you're um, you know look I'll be honest I'm in Colorado you know I'm in the minority but when you go to a place I I, I rarely go to places where everyone looks like me um, and you get treated kind of just like everyone else in that in that group even even be, being an American I mean first of all when I go there they they don't they don't know that until you still start talking to them. But even when, you know, even after talking to them, I mean, they're just so loving, so embracing. I mean, you know, you've been, you've been to Africa. That place is just so magical. And and by the way, Brooke, I've been, I went back, I've been to Africa three times in the last eight months. That's I love it. I, I love it. it. So. <laughs> I mean, to me, that was what was so special when you came back is when you spoke to me about your experience, the the revelation that you had of like almost the wear and tear of like you've been you've been the the solo person of color in this ski world like really like breaking the glass ceiling and pushing forward and and even you know be, being even more extreme on the tele skis i think <laughs> in you talk about marginalized communities tele skiing right. is a marginalized community of the that, ski world you're right. that is his own, <laughs> you just, that's his own community yes right you're right um but then like for you that just like that almost like all body relaxation of like oh my gosh brooke i was i was with my people like nobody i didn't have to represent all of a sudden I was just seen and that just melted my heart and I I thought oh like you deserve that like we all deserve that right is like is to just not have to always be like you are the voice you are the representation of the of the brotherhood at Vail right now today or whatever it is it's like here you were everywhere you looked people weren't judging you by the color of your skin they weren't judging you that you're oh my gosh, you're black and you ski. They weren't tokenizing you. They weren't marginalizing you. And, and that experience I saw shift in you and almost have this realization point of like the, the enormity of the work that you have been doing for so many years. And, um, I just want to know, like for you, how did that shift in your mindset? And then how is that, how have you added then to who you are as a person coming back into um, the the Denver airspace, the Colorado airspace. You know, yeah, I'll, I'll admit, I, like I told you, I've been back to, you know, Africa, uh, especially like the Morocco area, the mountains, you know, three times, you know, um, in the last eight months. And, it, it, you know, it, it's hard to put that into, uh, into words with that, what that feels like. I just, I just, the words that I want to use are, feels like, like home, especially the people, you know, in the mountains, the Berbers uh, who are in the mountains and, you know, speaking Arabic um, and teaching me how to, you know, speak Arabic and, uh, and, and just how they embrace you. It's, uh, you know, it's like your brothers and sisters. And by the way, they, that's what they call you, you know, Hoya, (laughs) you know, right away, everything's Hoya, brother. Mm. Um, And I know I'm not going to pronounce this right, but sisters, Hochi or something like that. But, but, but then coming back, it's, it's more of, man, I got to Again, I, I show people the back country here in the national brotherhood of skiers. Now I'm like, all right, let's, let's take it out of the country. Let me show you this experience over over in Africa, 
Um, uh, I took 28 people in, for the National Brotherhood of Skiers down to Devadas de Chien in August and did the same thing. Hey, let's go have this experience in South America and really get deep, you know. So that's that's the way things change. I'm, I'm trying to be – I feel like – I like you say that I'm I'm American. I say I I like to say I'm a, um, a citizen of the world. You know, I'm, a, I'm an earthling. Uh, I think if some if or if if aliens ever came and they said, "Well, what are you?" I think first of all, I'd say a tele skier. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and then all the other demographics after that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good way to stay true to our tribe. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> nice. Well, and I mean. Uh, not to um, glorify this piece or anything too, but I, I also love that you um, you do have indigenous heritage as well, right? You're mm-hmm. yeah, on your Nanticoke. mother's side? Yeah, Nanticoke Indian, which probably no one's probably heard of because there's, uh, you know, there's not very many left at, you know, at all. But uh, yes, we have a tribe, uh, Nanticoke um, in, in Delaware, Southern Delaware. Yep. Oh, and that's from your mother's side? That's from my mother's side. Yes. Yes, absolutely. My, yeah, my grandfather's buried in the, there's a cemetery where you have to be like, you know, I think pretty much full blood Danticoke to be buried, you know, in this, in this cemetery. So I make sure we go visit, you know, his uh, grave, grave site, you know, whenever we go home. Yeah. Well, I think it's cool that you, you are indigenous, you are African-American, and yet you identify as an earthling first, well, teleskier first, <laughs> earthling. Yes. It's just a great idea of like, we are more, so much more than our labels, so much more than our identity. And you're doing, you are doing so much more for society than just um, for the people of color who uh, can look up to you. But what I love about like your videos is that it is showing like young people coming up that they're there are people who look like them out there in the wilderness. The wilderness doesn't have to be a scary place. Um, and have you heard that from, you know, these different clients of yours, these participants you've taken, you took just down to Chile this summer to Morocco last spring. Um, what are some of their experiences that they've shared with you? I'm sure you've been um, witness to some life altering experiences. You want to share yeah, your stories? I, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, for example, I'm part of, um, I was in SCARPA, uh, the, the SCARPA Athlete Mentorship Initiative. So, there are brands like that that are reaching out to kind of BIPOC or LGBTQ communities, all these affinity groups trying to you know, bring them into, you know, rock climbing, skiing, uh, mount, mountaineering. So, after graduating from that program, then I became a mentor. So, I mentored this uh this young brother uh named uh bryce barnes uh and he's he's young guy in his late late 20s and he's into it so much that he moved from i think new hampshire to uh to alaska to Juneau. um so i'm mentoring him from from there so he was someone who i brought to uh morocco with us you know, first of all, because he's like in his twenties, and he's also working on his uh, um, AM AMGA uh, Mountain uh, American Mountain Guide, you know, association. So I think it, if he's able to get this, he'll be one of the one of the first African Americans uh, to to get this. But anyway, he's at that he's at that level. So you know, t- 
to see him have that experience to go from being young and, and again he has the same experience where he's you know one of the only people of color you know doing what he's doing in you know out 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 in the east so he moves to alaska still he's one of the only brothers you know doing what he's doing now to br- i brought him with a group of 13 of us all doing big mountain ski, ski mountaineering in morocco you know, just just to see his face and to hear, you know, the pride and um, the the joy and the laughter that he's experiencing. That's that's all that, that made it worth it for for me. And that was just him. And we had other other people of all different ages. But that's just one, you know, one story. And and also he was able to you know, carry some extra heavy uh, camera equipment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, nice. That's the advantage of becoming a mentor. You can give, pass off the rope and the camera to the younger ones. I do. Right. I mean, I feel, um, I mean, the way I can relate to that is just now, um, you know, having been a, a female in a male dominated, you know, guide space for so many years is watching the younger women come up now and getting that opportunity in my career to, to become the mentor and, and pass the baton off and watch them run a little bit further. That has got to be that feeling for you to watch him like pursue his AMGA certification and know that he's going to leapfrog you in his career. And in, in a sense, like carry that next generation forward with the work that you did to break that glass ceiling. That's got to feel so rewarding and empowering for you too, to, to be cheering him along. So yeah, absolutely. And that's, that was totally the, 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 some of the reason I'm doing this is to, you know, to break those, uh, those ceilings, whether, and some of that is, you know, we put our own ceilings there, you know, and so to help people know, let's erase that ceiling that we're putting there for ourselves and, you know, create our own lane. Um, so working with people like, Bryce Barnes, that's exactly what I want to do. Or, or this other brother that I'm, you know, met the other day who owns a, a a brand called My Wicked Dude. His name is Sonny. So that guy, he's a brother, and he is wingsuiting. He is, uh, you know, uh, base jumping, doing. I mean, so that's that's those are the people I, I I'm I'm like I'm I really want to help those people. You know, push the progression. You know, uh, for you know for them. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, because you're probably past the wingsuiting years at this point. I mean, I, oh, not- my God. He, he was, I was like, is there like a tandem, you know, wingsuit or, or that, I, that we could do? Or uh, what's the other one? The the speed squirrel uh, suit. Yeah, the, the squirrel suit. But the one where, you know, where you paragliding. Oh, and, speed and flying. Have, yes, he also does that. He said he, he said we could do that, tan, you know, tandem. So I was oh. like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't let me tell you you're too old because you, you are the youngest at heart. I I know. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. Um, one thing I love to circle back to you're talking about uh, one of the barriers being that there's that you spent thousands of dollars getting into the backcountry, and it's true. It's like it's not just the money spent on gear, but it's think about all the education, right? The, um, you know, certifications aside, it's, it's the avalanche knowledge, right? It's like for you to even develop your guide company and feel like you could safely take people around the world to these spaces without avalanche forecasts and successfully guide people in avalanche terrain. Like you've had to, you've had to do a lot to up your game in your avalanche knowledge. And along that journey, 
have you had any near misses? Have you had any, um, you know, things that you'd like to share that with the community? Yeah. You know, and, and it's funny that that's, I think the, one of the best stories I like to share is actually we went out, uh, we, we took 12 members from the National Brotherhood of Skiers. Uh, we're going up on Vail Pass for snowmobile access, um, skiing and riding. And again, they, you know, when you do snowmobile access, you don't necessarily have to have touring gear. So they're just in their regular old, you know, skis, snowboards, you know, uh, boots, no AT. Um, and that's what makes it accessible. So we're going up the mountain and all of a sudden, because uh, I'm working with uh, my buddy Carl Terrell, because he's uh, one of my guide, guide partners out of Colorado Springs. He stops and he's, I see him get off the snowmobile and he's in off into the deep snow. It's like, what, you know, what is he doing? So we get up there and all of a sudden there's a, uh, a young woman. She is buried in the snow. Uh, I guess she was snowmobiling down. She hit a tree, kind of lawn darted off and then got buried in the snow. But on Vail Pass, I mean, I, I tell people we don't have to go to Japan. Vail Pass, <laughs> letting a secret out, has amazing deep snow. So it was like more like an avalanche victim situation. Uh, so we get there and she has a broken arm. And then she announces that she is a month pregnant. Oh. So then it's go. So you're there. I'm, we're there with our 12 trainees, if you will. And we had talked about, um, you know, wilderness, you know, rescue and things like that. We just talked about it. So I said, guess what, guys? This is no longer um, training Let's go. So it was, uh, you know, myself, Carl, uh, Wiley Asher, the other guide that day, just us barking orders at people. Hey, we need that arm splint. Give me your shovel. Splint that arm. Figure it out. Uh, you know, hey, we need uh, we need uh, uh, search and rescue to come. Someone needs to go down and talk to uh, the force force service. And by the way, no, uh, it's a Saturday um, on the weekend on I seventy. Roads are packed. No, no ambulance. You need a helicopter. We made all of that happen with that group. So it, it it's it's awesome when you go to training. You know, to go to these schools and get training. You really all we did was fall back on our on our training, and then everyone just kind of followed followed along in that in that suit and executed beautifully. And we got her a helicopter. She went off to safety, and then we went you know snowmobile access scheme for for that day so that's one of the yeah one of the more uh you know it, you know exciting i guess rescues that we've had to do <laughs> yeah i think in your scarpa um profi- profile your athlete profile it talked about um perhaps a uh incident where you rescued three people from an avalanche do you remember that story um, well, and, and let me clarify, these are, when I say three people, these are three separate, um, and yeah. Oh, yeah, and scenarios. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That, that, that'd be quite the pro level, you know, avalanche, you know, <laughs> training like... to rescue three, three people in one day. Uh, no, these are three, yeah. Three separate, you know, uh, uh, occasions. Um, yeah, there was one, you know, we were, uh, uh, heli skiing um in in canada and one of our uh skiers uh 
kind of cut a line and and uh, a top layer of um, you know snow started sliding and yeah so that one was more no one was buried but the young lady did did trigger it uh, she didn't break her leg so that was again more triaging you know her in the field luckily that day we, one of the national brothers uh, from the people from the national brotherhood of skiers he is an ER doctor so <laughs> he came in and saved that day and the other one was I try to tell people look. As soon as, I mean, as soon as you are one foot beyond the rope of a ski resort, you're in a backcountry. And that was a day where, um, you know, let's kind of tell that story. A buddy of, I, you know, I usually take people, you know, beyond the ropes and I'll say, do what I do, go where I go. <laughs> uh, and one person got a little low on a snowboard. And I understand when you get low and it's deep powder, it's hard to now kind of go back up. And I was just, you know, kind of pleading with this person. No, you got to come up. You got to come up. He's like, oh, the snow looks good right here. I was like, there's a reason it looks good. Um, so, uh, you know, I was pleading and pleading and pleading. Please don't go. Please don't go. That is not a a safe a safe area. Um, that usually avalanches every year. Um, you know, he ended up, you know, going. And I, you know, I said, oh, okay, I'm going to meet you around. You know, at the at the bottom and all of a sudden, I get a call, a call on my phone, which, by the way, never works in this area. And they're saying, hey, you know, we're in an avalanche, we're an avalanche. And do you know where we are? I was like, hell yeah, I know where you are. I, exactly where I told you not to go. <laughs> um, so so that was the only instance where, yeah, someone from my group, you know, got into, uh, you know, an avalanche. But I'd also like to say is because I was pleading with them, please listen to me. This is not a game. You know, I, I like to say, I, I know you're from the hood, but the mountains, it's a different type of hood and it is, it can be unforgiving at, at you know, at times. Anyway, we, we ended up saying, you know, they were buried up to their neck, but we ended up, you know, getting them out, saving them. They only lost the pole and they learned a, a, a huge lesson that, of course, spread throughout the National Brotherhood of Skiers. Uh, about this incident and then alerted everyone to look yeah you you really want to know what what you're doing um where you're going what you're getting into into the back country because it is it is a different type of hood <laughs> yeah i like to call those cheap lessons when when nature just gives you the smackdown but allows you to to live through it and even access your cell phone i mean how lucky is that that he was able to to call you and call for help. I mean, how that's so rare. And, and so, uh, sounds like he was humbled. And then that the story then, as we've been trying to preach in the avalanche community is like sharing these stories, then you hope that that lessons can ripple out so that people don't have to live them themselves, you know, and it sounds like it did through the national brotherhood in that network of culture and community to say like, all right, mad respect, you know? Maybe we'll listen to Telly Mike, <laughs> but also more than that is listening to the mountains themselves, right? And and knowing that it's a it's a new landscape. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And just yeah, just getting getting the education, and then I there's unfortunately no education like you know making mistakes, and unfortunately in in our kind of field of work, you know you, you, you can't make too many of those mistakes because they can be quite quite costly but if you like you said sometimes you get those free ones that you learn from you're like oh okay all right now i understand <laughs> you know um back to the one in in 
the what we learned in Canada, it was the typical late in the afternoon, south facing. You know, you knew the the snow was warm, and the angle was more around thirty five degrees, and they're like, "Well, that's pretty classic." Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> so and they—that's why there's a saying in the um, in the avalanche education world of the best way to become a good decision maker is to make bad decisions, and yet, yet it's like, how do we make bad decisions that have lesser consequence? And I think that's where that role of mentorship really comes through, right? It's like that you're taking people out there and you're using those teachable moments to highlight, okay, well, this is what we could have done better today. And I mean, have you incorporated that into kind of your daily reflective practice as you come home at the end of the day? Do you look at your day in the mountains and think, what did I do today? (laughs) What did I get away with? So, so it's funny, right? So when people show up, you know, if you're coming on a telemike adventure day or uh, elevate backcountry day, you're going to get an education. You're just not going to show up at the trail end. So at least a few days before, I'm going to send you probably four or five page um, really trip report. You know, here's who's here's who's going on the trip report, on the trip. Here's all the numbers. Um, here's uh, the avalanche. Uh, here's the terrain that we're getting into. Here's our uh, approach, you know, up using, uh, you know, using one of the apps uh, like CalTopo or something like that. Here's, you know, here's where we're going to be skiing down. Um, here's the avalanche problems that we could possibly, you know, get into. And I'm giving this to, even if it's your first day, I'm giving this to you as information. I've had people say, man, this is, uh, this is a lot of information, but I feel like, you know, you're really looking out, you know, for us. And then yes, uh, when we're done, we will uh, reflect and say, hey, uh, you know, uh, what went well? What could we have done, you know, differently? Um, Because, you know, one of my things, you know, is, you know, group dynamics. That's one of my things I've had, you know, you know, been been working on, because especially when, you're working with beginners and, you know, you're managing their expectations and, and fear. And then sometimes a lot of people are like, Hey, I want to go. I want to go. And all of a sudden you got a group of, you know, 12 people that want to go. And you're like, well, that's still a bit too much for the back country. So, so yeah, all incorporating all of that and then passing that knowledge on. That's, that's what I love to do. That's so cool. I, I feel like I'm going to take a page from your book. I love that. Uh, that ultimate transparency of of allowing access to all the information that you're holding to your clients and inviting them in, it actually really invites them into the onus of of putting some of that risk um, acceptance on on their shoulders, which I think we tend to to forget in a guide world. We like to and we like to be like all important, like I'm going to hold all the cards, like follow me, I'll keep it safe. But in reality, they are a part of our team, right? They're in your yep. backcountry guiding, you don't have a helicopter to come save you. Like you really have to include those clients as like they're your team. They're gonna be your rescue should shit go sideways and the and, yeah, and yeah, you yeah. you get caught. Like you're gonna want these people on your side. So the fact that you're sending them the maps, the information, even if it's overwhelming for them at, at that part, I just really love that about you is that you're not coming in here all 
pride and ostentatious, like, look at me, I'm the guy, like, I know everything, the mountains are going to respect me. It's like, you're saying, look, we're a team. I'm going to give you all the same information I have. If you don't understand it all, ask questions, like, I'll bring you in. But essentially, that's, you're empowering them, you're empowering the people that are your clients to become your students, to become students of the mountains. I really just absolutely honor and respect that approach that you're taking. That's super cool. I think I'm going to I'm going to take a page out of your book this season. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You. I'll, you know what? I'll send it. I'll send you one of my dossiers of, yeah, here's, here's uh, uh, my trip report. Here's what we're going to, here's what we're going to get in, get into. It even has, here's what you should have in your backpack. And even uh, I have also learned this just by guiding different clients. And I will also say, cause you learned this in Navi class, right? Like, uh, there's a difference between when you're guiding men versus women. And if I'm very typical about it, you know, when I talk to the guys about our trip plan, I'm like, well, here's the Avi plan, your Avi avalanche problem. Are you comfortable? Now let's go for it. We'll be good. We'll be good. But the, you know, when I, when I take the sisters out from the MBS, the sisters are like, oh no, they're much more discerning, especially the sisters such as, you know, uh, I, I ski with like uh, uh, Shane and, and MK, um, they, they are much more detailed about what we're doing. Um, they are much more concerned about group dynamics. So, so I've learned from skiing, especially with the women and the sisters, you know, I, I need to be mindful of personalities, gender, all of that to make every, make sure everyone's, you know, comfortable. So that's where all that comes, you know, comes from trying, trying to, uh, practicing making everyone happy trying mm. to <laughs> well that's what makes you such a beautiful guide is because you're you are thinking about inclusivity uh, not just from the the perspective of of diversity and and people's background but from all the diverse perspectives right from from gender from heritage from intergenerational trauma you really um, are looking at the broader scope of of what it takes to even show up at the trailhead, right? What what are people bringing in terms of everything that's in their their suitcase to the trailhead, and and how to create safe space for people? So I really appreciate that about you. Thank you for doing. Yeah, that. absolutely. Yeah, like I said, I I, I think because I did a piece with uh, with Valet, uh, uh, and I talked about mental health because I really think that's that's a big part of it for me is I, don't know, I just want to take people into the mountains by the way regardless of culture affinity groups anything any anybody and everybody should have access to uh the mountains and open spaces because it is free health care um and some people don't have that access right? and so those are the people that i want to you know i want to help because uh I, i've been helped with uh you know bringing free health care to me by people showing me, you know, the mountains. Oh, so beautiful, Mike. I think that's what made you and I long-term friends is because I think we, right. both, we both saw that like beauty and wild spaces being um, so beneficial to our own mental health and our joy and our access like adventure brings joy. And it also brings that, that breath of fresh air, if you will, to like get us out of the crowds, out of like the, the grind, that nine to five grind uh, out of the cities and, and, just how much better we can be as a people as if we can fill our own wells first, right? And then we're going to pay that forward out into the universe through love and light, right? As right. 
as <laughs> beings of the universe, so you say, <laughs> earthlings, good earthlings. And which is what I love that you like on your Scarpa um, application, the, the Scarpa team said what stood out about you is that you said that one of your goals that you listed was world peace. <laughs> and I believe you're yeah. doing it, Telly Mike, you're doing it through one Telly turn at a time. You are spreading your love and light and world peace. But trying, trying. Hey, you know, even if it's one conversation at a time, one turn at a time, one uh, skin skin track at a time, whatever it is. Yeah, just, uh, yeah, I like, yeah, I've discovered the mountains and discovered things like, you know, meditation, um, things that just, you know, you can find ways to bring peace and harmony to yourself and the people around you. Um, yeah, just through being being outdoors. Well, thank you so much, Telly Mike. And I look forward to um, the year ahead, making some turns with you wherever that may bring us. And, All and right. Yes, yes, <laughs> I want to go to, I definitely want to, it's on my life list to um, go back to Africa with you and to ski the Atlas Mountains. I think that would be um, top of my life list. So thank you so much for, yes. for shining your light in the world and for taking the time to shine your light into the Avalanche Hour podcast and joining us here to to share your knowledge and beauty with the rest of the world. Yeah, absolutely, Brooke, anytime. <laughs> Take care. Okay. What an incredible conversation with a profoundly deep human, my friend Telly Mike. If you're curious about all of Mike's adventures and want to follow his intriguing expeditions around the world, Check out some of the videos he's produced in our show notes and head on over to Instagram to give him a follow at at telly.mike. While you're at it, go ahead and give the Avalanche Hour podcast a follow too on Instagram and Facebook. Or if you'd like to give us any feedback at all, go ahead and send us an email at theavalanchehourpodcast at gmail.com. In need of some new gloves, socks, or goggles? Go check out gordini.com and use the code the Avalanche Hour 10 to get 10% off and free shipping on your next order. Are you an industry professional? Gain access to even deeper discounts on Gordini products through Expert Voice. Music for this episode was provided by Ketza at ketza.uk. Artwork was created by Mike T, whose work can be found at his website, miket.com. A big shout out to Cameron Griffin and Caleb Merrill for producing the show and for inviting me to guest host. Until next time, get out there, shrop that lovey love, and just remember, we are all in this together.